Dear friends, believe not every spirit, but test the spirits. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Please continue to just flow. Dear friends, are we friends? We are. You know, my father just stepped into eternity at 96 years old. Amen? Just went on to be with Jesus. Six years ago, he died in front of my mother and my wife. Joanna and I were at the house, and, and uh, so we had the privilege of stepping in to release the kingdom, and God raised him from the dead, right? So then he died a second time, and then my wife, she used her authority. She said, uh-uh, no, we're going to a wedding. We're not going to a funeral, not on my watch. You're not dying right before my wedding. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's a, that's a non-starter. And so my mom was in a wheelchair and she looked back as my dad had died and, you know, lost his faculties and took authority over that situation. I said, Dad, in the name of Jesus, I commend you to come back to life now. And immediately the life force came back in his eyes. He said, well, what's going on? What's going on? I looked over at Joanna. We were really calm. It was a supernatural calm authority that was on us because I had three dreams preparing me. The two dreams were back to back a few days apart where my dad was gone from the earth suddenly and not without remedy. And because my dad was 90 at the time, I didn't know the scriptural basis to pray. God promises us 70 or 80 years. And you can get that 120 year promise like Moses if you walk like Moses. But if you don't walk like Moses, you claim that 70 or 80. So I didn't know what to do. But you know through situations, the Lord will teach you by revelation. And after the second dream, you know I know that Genesis 41, 32 says... And the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice, two different dreams in different forms with the same interpretation. Because this thing is firmly established by God and he will shortly bring it to pass. When I had two dreams that were different in form but with the same interpretation, your father is gone suddenly from the earth and not without remedy. I knew he wouldn't be coming back when he died suddenly without warning. My dad was still diving 10 meter tower at the time winning gold medals, riding his bike. I was finally able to catch him on the hills. He was declining a little bit, but still pretty fast. And so he was the oldest guy in the world diving 10 meter tower. You can look him up, TomHarabedian.com. There's no donation, like just you know, for your own visual. And he doesn't need any money where he's at. He's on streets of gold as transparent as glass right now. And he's probably looking for the local swimming pool with the 200-foot diving board. Because you know they always do things a little more extravagantly up there. Although he was a big tiger. He actually dove at Worlds of Fun in his late 70s off the little thing into the dolphin pool. He was part of that act. He was the oldest guy to go way up. He goes, yeah, I'm not doing the 70 feet anymore. He goes, I'm just doing the 40. I'm getting older, son. Plus, it's not that deep. you got to get tough. So... My dad was amazing. So I prayed, and here's a revelation 
that God gave me that resulted in action, that resulted in resurrection. Would you like to know it? So I said, Lord, I don't know what to pray. My dad's 90. My mother still needs him. She's still alive. And she doesn't have the same level of health and vitality. Very sharp in the mind, but not the same health in her body.
which he did for the next few years. Ask me for my mercy. His mercy supersedes everything. That you and I might come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain grace and mercy in our time of need. Grace is unmerited favor. Justice is getting what you deserve. Get pulled over, doing 75 and a 60, you're 15 over. Can't be upset with the police officer. You know why? It's justice. Mercy is your 60, uh, 70 and a 75, whatever, you're 15 over. And he says, How many would rather have mercy versus justice? Grace is he pulls you over and he says you're 15 miles over. I'm not going to give you a ticket. I'm not going to give you a warning. I'm going to let you go and here's $100. Go fill your tank and go to dinner with your wife. How many of us know we need mercy and grace in our time of need. So if we sow mercy, we shall also reap mercy. If we give grace, we shall also reap or receive grace. For God is not mocked whatever a man or woman or child sows we shall also reap. What have you been sowing in this season? Because justice apart from mercy becomes demonic or satanic. But justice coupled with mercy becomes such a one in a spirit of meekness, lest we too are tempted. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God. First John 4, 1 through 6. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. This the Bible says, First John, John the Apostle who was boiled in oil but refused to die. John the Apostle whom Jesus loved and put his head upon his chest. John who wrote the book of Revelation on the Isle of Patmos, exiled for preaching the gospel. This John says, this is how you and I in 2020 will be able to recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, anti-anointed one. Anti-one that brings change into the situation. Anti-healing, miracle, power, transformation, deliverance. It may not even be anti-Jesus, but it's anti-anointed Jesus. You can't come into contact with Jesus, the anointed one, 
without having change happen. Last night there was a man, we were at dinner, and all of a sudden I just saw there was something wrong with his heart. And I looked, I said, can I pray for you? I didn't want to scare him. I said, you know, the Lord highlighted this, so I already know he has a solution. So I went with his permission. He says, go ahead. I laid my hand. And all of a sudden, in a few seconds, I felt something go from my spirit man through my arm, out my hand, and into his chest. And I felt something flip, shift. There was something happened. And he told me he had struggled with AFib, atrial fibrillation. And he said he was having a light version of it right there at dinner. And it just suddenly stopped. So God will give you divine appointments wherever you're at. You all may be here, but every one of you may not be in the pulpit today. But when you leave here, you have an invisible pulpit to make a change in someone else's life. So how do we know the spirit of truth from the spirit of error? But this is the spirit of Antichrist, anti the things that bring supernatural change to people's lives. Religion, the spirit of Antichrist will hang tight and ride with the spirit of religion because you'll never be changed. You'll only become more religious. But the God of the supernatural who delivers you, not with rules and regulations, but with supernatural encounter that changes you from a soul of Tarsus, out killing Christians, thinking you're doing God a service religiously, but then turns you around and you're willing to give your life for Christ and you write two-thirds of the New Testament, I'm talking about that Christ that'll meet you on your road to Damascus and change you in an instant. You dear children, but this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God. You, my dear children, are from God. And you have overcome them because the one who is in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, is greater than the one that is in the world. Now, please hear this. They are from the world, 1 John 4, 5, and therefore speak they from the viewpoint, the vantage point, the perspective of the world and the world listens to them. The world listens to them and calls them to become peacekeepers with weapons that are carnal versus peacemakers, which are weapons that are spiritual with words that stops a war instead of fuel wars. I did time with arsonists, and I did time with architecturists. So I did time with a guy who was able to burn down a building and with a guy who was able to build a building. By the way, I got along with both. One of them actually supports our ministry now because he met Jesus. He's not burning down buildings anymore. Now he's building things that are eternal in value. I don't think the architecture has actually got saved. That's interesting. The point is, how long does it take you to build a building? A long time. You have to build a foundation. How long does it take to burn it down? Who would you rather be remembered as? The one who built things for people to enjoy or the one that tore them down and burned them? 
in a moment of anger. This is how you can recognize the spirit of truth, the peacemaking spirit that restores. And people are changed at their root core, not the peacekeeping spirit that does it with weapons and tears down. that take down a nation. It's the playbook. Would you like to hear what the eight steps are? Will you still love me after? Systematically, you can break a nation down by these eight things. Siri 
you can find it before they take it down. Because the minute it comes up, it disappears. Have you noticed that? Somebody sends you a video nowadays, and by the time you click on it, well, there's nothing there. This was taken down for community standards violations because it was too much truth. It doesn't fit the narrative. Then you have to find it on another link and you're like, oh my gosh, you get saucer big eyes. Why didn't they tell us this? Why isn't the mainstream prophet telling us this? Because the mainstream prophet only wants you to hear certain things. Because the mainstream wants you to be sheeple, not God's sheep. Go research, research for yourself. Start to think. Start to think how cancer surgeries can be stopped during this, but abortions can be allowed because they're essential, but heart surgeries are not. Think. What's the agenda? Go home and search and find out why these things are in place when they make no rational and no logical sense when you begin to weigh them and determine why would they say that? We're doing this to keep you safe. This is for your own good. Do you want to know who else said that? Look into history. They came for the handicap first. We're going to take them to keep them safe. Two or three weeks later, the family member who hadn't heard from their handicapped child, they got a letter in the mail. Your child died. We regret to inform you. They died of pneumonia. Go research it. What's been done before shall be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. But before they could get away with something like that, they have to get eight steps done. <laughs> and when I say they, you can determine whoever they are. Because they like to remain invisible. Because they like to use pawns on the chessboard. Don't get used. Lord, use me. Don't get used by the enemy. Guess what? You're in ministry on one spirit or the other, the spirit of truth or the spirit of error. Both of them come with eternal rewards. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done, crispy critter. Choose ye this day whom you'll serve. Wake up. Time to wake up. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you, wake up. Go search for yourself. And the Berean church heard the things which Paul had preached. And they were more noble of those than they were at Thessalonica in that they received his message with meekness and went home and searched the word to see if these things were so. I know this is a Berean church that receives with meekness the word and goes home and reads their Bible and gets secondary citations of authority. Number one, health care. Control health care and you control the people. Number one, 
poverty. Increase the poverty level as high as possible. Poor people are easier to control and will not fight back if you are providing everything for them. Wow. Did you get your $1,200 stimulus check while you're sheltered in place? Kept you from going to work, didn't it? How was Netflix? Did you watch the whole series? While you were in Puerto Backyarda? Just left Lost Kitchens on vacation? Because you didn't want to go on the cruise ship where you buy one week and you get two additional weeks free in quarantine? So, number one, control the health care. Tell them where they can get it, where they can't get it, what they can get and what they can't get. Put them in the system. Number two, poverty. Number three, debt. Increase the debt to an unsustainable level. What was that last stimulus? What, how many trillion? Two trillion. Was it just two? Just two trillion? Do you know what a trillion is? Let me tell you what a trillion is. So a million is a thousand thousand. A billion is a thousand million. A trillion is a thousand billion. Those are crazy numbers, aren't they? And what do we do with the money? I don't know. Go research it. Find out where it went. Because it doesn't look like it ended up in your pocket. Oh, no, you got that 1200 It's a shelter in place. Just saying. Not telling you what to do. Just telling you, go study. Find out. Ask questions. Inquisitively, not accusatorily. And when people who are asked a question inquisitively are righteous, they'll answer the question and give you the information. When you ask the question inquisitively and they're not righteous, they'll be angry at you for asking the question. Jesus always answered people who asked inquisitively and gave them more information. But if you ask accusatorily, Jesus doesn't give you a response. You brood of vipers who warn you of the wrath to come. Well, whose inscriptions on the money? Looks like Caesar's. We'll give unto Caesar's what Caesar's. Give unto God what's God's. So do you see the difference between an accusatory question that Jesus flipped the question on them versus inquisitive question Jesus responded. If you want to be taught, ask Jesus' questions inquisitively and he'll respond to you. Ask accusatorily, he'll treat you like a favor. You want the rest? Debt, increase the debt. Gun control, remove the ability to defend themselves from the government. That way you're able to create a police state. What's the gun-free city? Is it Chicago? Yeah, Chicago's gun-free. 28 murders last weekend. How's that working for you? Well, that doesn't make sense, David. Got to start thinking. Over there in Texas, somebody pulled out a weapon at dinner a few months back before the pandemic hit. 
And they were going to rob the person at the cash register. 13 people pulled out weapons on them. And guess what? That guy's in jail. But if I walk in to a place where they ain't got no weapons to defend themselves, I'm not supposed to have one, but those rules don't apply to me. Because I'm a robber and a thief and a murderer. So now I can go in and do whatever I want. Think, think, think. Wake up, wake up. Forget about the narrative. Look at the fruit of the decisions. They're not working. Welfare, take control of every aspect of their lives. Food, housing, and income. Number six, education. Take control of what people read and listen to. Take control of what children learn in school. Take prayer out of school. Take the Bible out of school. Take God out of school. And then teach them a dumbed-down mathematics. Do you know what an 8th grade grade education was 50 years ago is equal to a bachelor's degree now? How did high school graduates have a better education in the area of science, reading, math, geometry, all that stuff, history, than we do today with a bachelor's degree? Because if you control what people learn, you can then form their mind and put them in the sheeple category. Jesus wants sheep that obey his voice. Guess what? The enemy wants them too. Whose voice are you obeying? I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you, wake up. Class warfare. Divide the people into wealthy and poor. This will cause more discontent and it will be easier to take or tax the wealthy with the support of the poor. How else can you divide people? Race? Get them to fight amongst each other? And to kill each other? And to destroy each other? Economically? Physically, wake up. Are you a peacemaker with words? Or are you a peacekeeper? I can tell by looking at your Facebook profile what you posted, reposted, said, commented, whether or not you're a peacemaker from the Lord and an intercessor or a peacekeeper with your weapons. user. There's two ministries that go on before the throne of God day and night. One's the ministry of intercession with Jesus, who forever lives to make intercession for those to come to God by him. And the other one is the accuser of the brethren, the ministry of accusation for the devil. The accuser of the brethren who did accuse them before the throne of God day and night was cast down. Which ministry are you in? I can tell who you're serving by the fruit of your lips, by the fruit of your posts, by the fruit of your text, by what you spend your time reading and watching. Because believe it, not every spirit, for every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ come in the flesh is not of God. Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, the son of the living God, who died on the cross, was buried in the tomb, raised on the third day. Not Jesus, the teacher, the good man. 
Not Jesus the prophet, but the son of the living God, the anointed one who comes in and makes all things new, who heals the sick, who casts out devils, who brings sweeping change into a person's life when they encounter him on their personal road to Damascus. I'm talking about that Jesus, not a watered down version one. I'm talking about Jesus 1.0, not these remakes that are powerless and got viruses. Say, Lord, give me the spirit of truth. Deliver me from the spirit of error. Help me to hear your voice. We're going to close and I'm going to read one final thing. Has this been okay? Too much? Too little? I got a whole lot more, but... Joanna wants to share something. The queen is about to speak. I was praying and um, the Lord gave me a vision. And I saw a checkboard, a checkerboard. And there were all these pawns on the checkerboard. And these checkerboard colors were black and white, representing deception and truth. And the Lord said, pray check me on the enemy. Because the enemy has playing, been playing us as pawns. And we are God's children. We are not his pawns. And the blood of Jesus is red. And the blood of every single one of us is red. And so the Lord said, now I want you to see this. I saw the United States. And then I saw these dark forces that were encroaching. And they were advancing on our nation to take it down. That means to take down me, you, and our families, and this country that was founded on the word of God. And the Lord said, pray. Pray intervention. Pray intervention. Pray they are intervene. So I challenge you guys today, and I send this out, this cry to heaven, to pray for intervention, that this darkness is intervened, and that we don't come into agreement with the lies of the media, the lies that are going on right now, because that's the checkerboard game. The checkerboard game is division, and we stand united in God, one house, one God. So pray. Jesus made all nations to be of one blood. One blood. Your kidney could work in my body. Mine could work in yours. Your eyes could work in my body. Not by the color of our skin, but by the fact that we have interchangeable parts. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So my dad, at seven years old, his father was changing a tire in uh, L.A. And he was hit and run and killed by a black drunk driver. My dad never harbored any ill will toward people of color because his father died at the hands of a drunk black driver. He saw that he, hand, he died at the hands of a driver. Yes. My father's grandmother died in the Armenian death marches under the Turks. And my grandmother escaped to uh, barn while they gave her at her request 30 seconds with her dead mother who dropped dead and she saw a way of escaping she ran to a barn and she hid until the death march had gone she wasn't shot and she offered her services as a maid and a housekeeper in that area and two years later she came to the United States she spoke five languages at the time 
she became an interpreter, and in three days she was married to my grandfather, who was killed seven years later. My dad never said a negative thing about the Turks. He could have, he could have harbored it. Not once growing up, I didn't even know my father had lost his father to a black drunk driver until recently. 96 years of life, 56 years for me, he never brought up color. My mother, Jewish, I'm Jumanian, half Armenian, half Jewish, Jumanian, how do you get an Armenian? You squeeze seven Jews down and one Armenian pops out is what I was told. I don't know if that's true. But my mother's relatives died in the Holocaust at the hands of Nazis. Notice I didn't say Germans. Because there's a difference between a Nazi and a German. Not once did my mother make negative comments about Germans. Yet, if I can be graphic, some of my mother's relatives in the Holocaust had such beautiful olive skin that they would put olive oil on that skin and they would tattoo that skin and put beautiful tattoos on them before they harvested them and made Jew skin lamps out of my relatives while they experimented on them. Is that too harsh or is that true? Wake up America. My mother never said anything negative about Germans. But one day I was in the visiting room and there was a staff member who handled like the enforcement. He was like the secret police at this one high level facility where I was housed at. And when he walked in, he had a whole map on a wall because I had a Bible ministry and they couldn't figure out what I was doing. They didn't know I was winning souls behind bars because their biggest gangsters would get a leather-bound Bible in the mail. And within a couple of weeks, they're like transformed. And they're walking the track with me. So David's always with these mafia guys, gangsters, um, gang leaders from the Crips, the Bloods. I could tell you some pretty crazy stories. You can read some of them in Jet Ride to Hell, Journey to Freedom, my book, jetridebook.com. But, and if you're in prison, you get a free one. If not, you got to pay. You get to choose. Got to be indicted to get a free one. Want to get indicted? Go out and do some looting. They got those cameras with facial recognition technology. They'll be by to see you soon. We'll be shipping you a Bible and a jet ride book. And they'll be taking that TV you got. See, we get to choose our actions, but we don't get to choose our consequences. Choose your actions wisely. So this guy couldn't figure me out. And people that would get called into his office and question, they would come to me, David, I need to talk with you. They got a whole chart in that office. Special investigation lieutenant. He's cross authority. He's not just Bureau of Prisons. He's also FBI. He has arrest authority to hand that case off. They got this chart, and you're at the top of the chart. They can't figure you out. They ask me questions. I have half a dozen people. They get interrogated. What about David Herbie? What's he really doing? 
<laughs> David's just giving, but well, what, how much is he making? What's, what's his? No, he didn't charge me anything. He got me a leather bound Bible. I'm reading it. What are you doing reading the Bible? I, I just, you know. So that man walked in to the visiting room, and my mother looked up at me. She says, Who is that man? I said, Well, he's a special investigating lieutenant. She says, He has a Nazi spirit. There's a difference between a German and a Nazi spirit that will put you in an oven or make a juice skin lamp out of you. It's a spirit a person carries. There's a difference between a white person and a racist white person. Please distinguish the difference. There's a difference between a Holy Spirit-filled Christian and a religious Christian who will crucify Jesus afresh if he were to walk into the service today. They would call him Beelzebub, Prince of the Devils. Wake up and distinguish and don't put everybody in one group, but identify the spirit operating through them and deal with that spirit with either confrontational words or a peacemaking spirit to resolve an issue. Is this helpful? We went around our elbow to get to our eyeball today. And Joanna is going to end the service with a poem. And I'm going to share this. We're not going to take up a second offering today for, you know, David and Joanna. If you want to give something, you can. And, and that's fine. But I don't want to disrupt the flow of this. We just want to bless you. And, you know, so we just you want to give us. You can partner with our ministry online. Okay? If you want to do that. But let's just flow in this thing. Go ahead, Joanna. So this poem is called Change My Name. I don't care if you're big or small, short or tall. Your skin color makes no difference to me. That's not what I see. I know no boundaries imposed by man. You can't outrun me. No one can. I don't care if you're rich or poor. Nothing can stop me from coming through your door. The effects of my sting are all the same. It hurts. My name is pain. There's only one thing that can change my state. Its name is love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It causes everything to shine. Love is slow to anger and forgives. Love helps you all to live. Love knows no bounds, grace or face. Love is saving and our amazing grace. Love conquers all. Will you let me in and answer the call? Change my name. today. If you don't know Jesus, you've never accepted him, or if you want to make a fresh dedication because there's been something other than love that's filled your heart, just invite him in. He'll change you. I've got to share one final story. When I left prison, it was a rainy day. I said, my book, and my mother and father came to pick me up at 
after serving 19 years, six weeks and a day. That was in hamburger days. It was a long, long time. I do not miss the cockroach-filled cells. says as my sister is in the, the back seat with me, mother and father in the front, she turns and she looks and she says, it's too bad it's raining today. And I looked at her and just came out of me. I said, that's because the devil's crying that I've been free. And as she was looking back and we were driving away from the prison, 20 years of pain of her son being in prison, visiting as the prison disappeared, God did something supernatural in her. And all the pain lifted out and washed away in a matter of five, five or ten seconds. And it was all behind her and left in the prison. And she was free. Last year, I had been out ten years in the Hilton Garden Inn doing a presentation in the marketplace. And they've been out 30 years. And I see a guy at a table that looks familiar. And God fills my heart with love for this guy. And he looks familiar, but I can't really place him. And while I'm talking, he looks at me like, why are you looking at me that way? And he even says, are you looking at me that way? I go, yeah, I am. And I just kept on speaking. So I walked over afterwards and I said, hey, it's good to see you. And he shakes my hand and he says, yeah, yeah, it's, it's good to see you too. He's like, and I wonder if this is one of my father's friends at the church that was praying for me. He goes, you know, it's really too bad what happened to you. And I'm like, okay, so he probably knows the past. Then he uses some terminology that may not necessarily be common or shouldn't be common coming out of a Christian's mouth. And then I thought, well, maybe he's just angry. Then he used it again. I'm thinking, man, there's really something on this. It's an angry guy. I need to pray for him for deliverance from a root of bitterness, right? About me doing 20 years. And he says to me these words. system did that and it's just wrong. He says, how many years did you end up doing? Did you get out 98, 99? I said, no, 2008, 2009. I said, I did 20 years. He just kind of went like this. And he says, you know, I'm on the criminal defense side now. And all of a sudden, while I'm on this moving sidewalk of God's love filling my soul for this man, I realize this is the prosecutor put me away for 20 years who also used perjured testimony and amplified my sentence from an original five-year agreement to 22 without the possibility of parole and fought my release the entire way and did false affidavits and my story ended up in 
in a prosecutorial misconduct article in a national newspaper because of the corruption in the case and the person who falsely testified against me was later convicted for perjury premised upon his testimony against me and I was still opposed for every one of those years. Now, I was guilty for these things, but the amplification of my sentence was not necessarily just. So I got justice for what I did, then I got Joseph time for things I didn't do, but God worked all things together for good. And because of that, now there's a Bible ministry to prisoners in a thousand facilities, Heart of America Prison Ministries, heartprisonministries.org, changing lives one Bible at a time because God takes what the enemy needs for harm and he turns it for the good and for the saving in many lives. Now, I'm in TV ministry the last five years all over the world. And last year, I took the 12 books that I had written while in a prison cell and I pulled them off my computer and I published 12 books last year that are on Amazon.com. I wouldn't have written 12 books had I not been sheltered in place for my safety. I was on quarantine and I wasn't making 1200 a month, I was making 12 cents an hour. Your tax dollars hard at work. But see, God sheltered me in place, but it looked like it was the enemy in that situation. And then, I married Miss America. Not bad. Will you let him work in your life? Now, here's the other thing. In that moment, I had a choice while I was filled with God's love because we're leaky vessels. I could have said, here's the guy that did this to me. Here's the guy that opposed my release. Here's the guy that did false affidavits. Here's the guy that withheld evidence. Here's the guy that opposed even after he left and poisoned 25 U.S. attorneys minds against me to the point where my name was a curse word in the U.S. Attorney's Office when after this guy left they were still poisoned and began to cuss a blue streak every time my name came up. My attorney's like this is not normal. But God used it. Will you let him use the circumstances and make things in his time in his time he makes all things beautiful in his time. Will you let him work it? Amen. And so, he says to me, I followed you online. He says, you're an inspirational speaker, I see. Okay. He says, I, I noticed you've got a book out. I said, yeah. I said, we were just able to donate 15,000 copies to the prison. Prison system, about 10 copies to 1,500 prisons this last year. And he's like, wow, can I get a copy? <laughs> I didn't have one with me, but I would have given him one. I said, you can get one on Amazon. I said, I don't have any with me. That's not what I'm here for. I said, thinking to myself, you're in the book. 
And I told the truth. But the names were changed to protect the guilty in my book. And so, again, I'm filled with the love of God. I could have chosen to be a leaky vessel and miss the moment of unmerited favor to be a peace. said to him, and I'm not giving you his name here, because I went to shake his hand as long as he could see in you again. And he said to me, he goes, wow, 20 years. And I said, well, I said, prison will either make you bitter or better, and it's always our choice. And I chose not to be bitter. You can't script this stuff. You can't make it up. But the Holy Spirit, when you're ready, will give you a divine appointment. And as I went to shake his hand, the Holy Spirit on the inside of me reached out and hugged him. And there was an impartation that happened of the Father's love for him. I don't know what happened to him as a child. I don't know why he was in that way. Other person, my mother made that statement about she also had a tendency to make it about one other person that carried that spirit persecution and hunting me. Long story short, my dad's killed by a black truck driver, my dad's grandmother killed by Turkish soldiers in a death march, my mother's relatives killed in Auschwitz and Dachau. It became lamps. I hugged my prosecutor. And I feel free because of it. And I think he feels free because of it. Because it's not what happens to you that God is so focused on, but it's who you become through the situation. Is this helpful today? Do you feel liberated? Will you maybe change your social media posts to be a peace maker instead of a peace Distinguish between the German and the Nazi. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us the engrafted word which is able to save and transform our souls, to pivot us from a place of being stuck or scared or fearful or angry or vengeful but rather we would see the invisible enemy for our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. I pray that you would cause shift to happen for us in our thinking and around us 
that we would be called peacemakers. For your word declares, Jesus said in Matthew 5, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall see God. And I thank you, Father God, for supernaturally correcting the things that are wrong in this world through your church, the believers in Jesus. And we thank you, and I roll away reproach off every race, every ethnicity, and I declare by the blood of Jesus, not guilty by the mercy of God. And I thank you that repentance will follow a Saul of Tarsus who's out murdering Christians. And when a Stephen should have said, God, get him, he said, Lord, forgive him, for he knows not what he does. And Jesus stood at the right hand of the Father, and he answered that prayer. Lord, forgive us and forgive us our persecutors. They know not what they do. Bring them into the kingdom and make the devil lose. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We love you guys.